Uh, let's begin in Genesis today. I want to look at uh, the call of God. Now, God calls to man, and he has a purpose in his call to man. And we see this when Paul talked to Timothy, he wrote the letter to Timothy, and he says, this is the will of God, or you could say that this is the call of God, your sanctification. So, so that's a call, if you will, or a purpose of God. And then you see in Romans 8.29, we are to be conformed to the image of Christ. So that is a call, if you will, or a purpose of God. But I want to look at Abraham, and there's a reason why. So the Lord may have a specific call for you, for me. Uh, the Lord called me some years ago, and I, I can't say it was an audible thing where he spoke to me. Uh, however, he communicated to me in a way I could see, and he says, I want you to teach. So that's, that's one purpose for my life. <clears throat> but that's not it, totally, of course. You may be called to teach a Sunday school class or whatever, but you're called to be set aside, sanctified. You're called to be conformed to the image of Christ and so on. But to boil that down, I believe it's, it's seen in the scriptures that we are called to walk with God, to walk with God. Now, if you would begin in the book of Genesis, in the very beginning, we see God created the heavens and the earth and, and all that. And you see the firmament, and then you see him create Adam and Eve. And there is some reciprocal thing between Adam and the Lord initially. Uh, and then you see the fall, the sin of mankind with Adam and Eve. And then, then they're, they're taken out of the garden and so forth. But you don't see this interaction between the Lord and uh, Adam as far as a call or a purpose for his life. Now, I believe that would have unfolded, even in the scripture we would have had that, if Adam wouldn't have sinned. And then as you progress in Genesis, you'll see this man, Enoch. And it says, Enoch walked with God, but you see nothing there other than a few scriptures dealing with Enoch. Uh, and, and it says that he walked with God, but you have no details whatsoever. You don't see the call, the purpose, anything going on in his life personally. All you see is Enoch walked with God, and he was not. God took him. And then you progress a little further in Genesis, and then you see Noah. And with Noah, it talks about that the world was evil. And there was wickedness in the world. And God says, you know, I'm sorry I made man. I'm going to destroy the world by flood. Then you see, it says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Then you see some communication between Noah and the Lord related to building the ark. But you still don't see much related to God's call in his life and this reciprocal thing back and forth until you come to Abraham. Now, when you come to Abraham in Genesis, now there's something different. You see some, some particulars as far as God calling Abraham, and you see 
the Lord saying certain things, you see the response from Abraham, and you see this going on for quite a few chapters. So that's what I want to look at today. Uh, there's more written about Abraham than anyone prior to Abraham, and probably there's more written pertaining to this, um, the, I'll call it a reciprocal relationship between him and the Lord than anywhere else in Genesis. Now, you, see, you see Joseph, but still that's, that's a little different. With Abraham, God called him, he, ch he chose him for a purpose, and there was a reason, I believe, why he chose Abraham. Now, let's go to Genesis chapter 12. And I want to look in particular about this thing here, the call of God, because, and of course, there's a lot more in the Bible related to this. We're just touching this and kind of just looking at the call of God here with him. Because I believe that there are certain things that we can glean from this. There are certain things that are contained in the call of God to Abraham that are to be in the life of a Christian. Just because God called Abraham doesn't mean that he cannot call you. He does call you. What does God call you for? Well, you say, well, all I do is raise children. Well, you don't think that can be a calling? Well, I, I really don't. The Lord has called you for a purpose. You are to be sanctified. You are to be conformed to the Im image of Christ. And he has called you to, in particular, to walk with God. And you walking with God in your life will mean that there must be a personal relationship with the Lord and there must be some communication between you and the Lord so that you know how to walk, what to do, where to walk, what, you know, what not to do. And that's, we see that in Galatians when Paul says that we are to walk in the Spirit. So that communication of the Holy Spirit will help you to walk with God. So you are called to walk with Him. Now there's other things involved in it, but you are called primarily to walk with the Lord. Now, in Genesis 12, God wanted a man who would serve him, and God wanted a man who would look to the Lord in faith. So in, in your life, in my life, God wants us to serve him, and there must be this element of faith in our life toward God. And, you know, what is faith? We know that it says in Hebrews that, you know, faith is the evidence of, of um, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But to make it more understandable, for me anyway, faith to me is this inner conviction that the Lord places there that now, because we were birthed from above to begin with, now this faith can look toward the Lord and can believe Him in things that are impossible in our mind and things that we never thought would ever, ever come into our life 
we can look to the Lord in faith or have this inner conviction that God is who He says He is and God can do in our lives what He says and He can do in our lives what He wants or what He wills. And so Abraham had, I believe, this, this faith, this inner conviction that his heart believed God. He believed God. And, and I know that's saying a lot because we can be in circumstances that are difficult and we can have trouble believing in God. Uh, and, and there's a scripture we'll look at, I think, later. But anyway, let's get to um, chapter 12 here. So Abraham, there he is. His father takes him in the prior chapter from Ur the Chaldees and they're journeying to Cana, to this, land, this other land. And at a point, they, they um, stop here uh, in Haran, verse 32, and his father dies. Now, there must have been possibly some communication between the Lord and Abraham's father to move in this direction, but it doesn't really matter because now at this point, the Lord is going to personally come to Abraham and deal with him and, and, and show him things and, and give him commands. Now, the Lord had said to Abraham... Get out of your country, uh, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you uh, and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. So the call of God to Abraham, believe this or not, we don't really associate the, the call of God as this. But the call of God... To Abraham, and there's various things here, but I want to show you this to begin with, was to train his children in the way of the Lord. We don't really think about that. Uh, do we as Christians train our children in the way of the Lord? What does that mean? I know of Christians who have had Bible studies in their home almost every day with their children since their children were little. Is that training a child up in the way of the Lord? Well, that helps. But as far as you and I, what is the best way to train up our children to follow the ways of the Lord? I believe we can say a lot of things but our example of living for God and walking for God or walking with God is more powerful than the things that we say. So that a person can say all these different things and not walk with God, and they're not really bringing their children up in the way of the Lord. Now look in Genesis 18, one verse. And I like this, the Lord says this. <laughs> He says, for I have known him. And he's speaking of Abraham. See, he knew Abraham's heart. He knew that if he called him, that Abraham was going to follow through in his life, which is good. And he gives much to Abraham because of that. So in verse 19, for I have known him, meaning Abraham, 
in order that he may command his children or that he would teach his children and his household after him that they may, may keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. So one of the callings or one, of, one aspect of the call of God to Abraham was to be this example of commanding or teaching his children the way of the Lord. And he taught his children the way of the Lord by example. Uh, Isaac did not understand when Abraham took him to the mount. He says, where's the sacrifice, father? You know, he didn't understand what was going on. But later on, Isaac caught this, he understood that his father, by faith, was moving in a totally different way than others, and what he saw in spirit helped him to, to go forward and to teach his children the way of the Lord, which would be Jacob. And you see that going on down through the, the different generations. Now, in um, Genesis 12 again, another thing that the call of God to Abraham involved was separation. And you see this, he says, Get thee out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. So the call of the Lord to every Christian will involve separation. There must be separation from that which will contaminate us and will keep us under the law. For the Bible says that he who walks in the Spirit is not under the law. Or you can reverse that and say that he who does not walk in the Spirit is under the law. And Abraham here uh, operated according to faith long before the law was given. But that does not mean that Abraham couldn't operate according to some law. You know, well, I'll, I'll do this and I'll do that and I'll keep this rule and I'll keep that rule. He didn't operate that way. He heard God. God communicated to him. And then he went ahead and walked in what he heard and saw. And one of the things immediately here you see with Abraham is this separation thing. Now turn to Luke chapter 14. Luke 14, verse 25. Do you know that the cross of Jesus Christ separates? Now it's not meant to, but it does. So there are people in the world who haven't responded to Christ they haven't responded to his sacrifice and, and his gift of his life for their sins. And then you can take that one step further. There are Christians, believers, who do not respond to the cross. Paul says that. He said they are the enemies of the cross. They're not necessarily the enemies uh, of the blessing. They're not the enemies of if I sow $10... Uh, I'll reap a hundred, like is preached sometimes. Elsewhere, of course. 
they aren't the enemies of, of those things, but as far as their own personal life, they become an enemy of the cross. In other words, they don't want to pick up their cross and follow Jesus. You know, picking up your cross means that you must die. You must die. The, the cross is an instrument of death. And you must die to certain things in your life. And that's just the way it is. If you want to be his disciple, he says, you must take up your cross. And not everybody who calls themselves Christians want, want to do that. Verse 25. Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father, mother, uh, wife, and children. And what the word hate there, if you look it up in Strong's, it means love them less than Jesus, or love them less, you know, than God. So if they do not love them less, uh, anyone comes to me and does not love his father, mother less, his wife and children, brothers, sisters, yes, and even his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, he can be a believer, as it says in John, but he cannot be my disciple, Jesus said. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot, cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower? And he goes on and he goes on about that. He gives a few examples in verse 33. He says, so likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. So there must be a separation from this world. There must be a separation from our life. If you understand this, I'm sure you do. Uh, our life, our self-life, and that which we would want to do with our life, that which we would want, want to fulfill in our own life and power, what, what we want to do and go, where places we would want to go, whatever it may be. You know, there must be a separation from that and a walking with God. See, Enoch walked with God. He was separated. If Noah wasn't separated, he would have never been able to go into the ark. If Abraham did not walk with God and, and there wasn't a separation, the blessing of Abraham would have never continued on. So the blessing, what is the blessing? You want your life to be a blessing? Then, as it says in John 12, I think it is, it says, unless a corn of wheat die, fall and die, go into the ground, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. So the blessing is not money. The blessing is not having a lot of you know, finances and having cars and homes and all that. The blessing is that you would walk with God, that you would move in some of these kingdom principles that you would die. So that the life that comes up from the ground now is a resurrected life, and now you are not living for yourself. My life is not my own, but it's the Lord's. And now He directs you, he has you go in the path that he has called and laid out for you. And now that is the example that will cause your children to learn the ways of the Lord. 
See, not that I've accepted Jesus Christ, and that's it. Not that I have come forth and came to the altar. You know, that's good. That's all good. But see, there must be more. There must be a separation from certain things. And the Lord will come if you want him to and show you personally what separation means and how that applies to you in your life so that all these things that are are keeping you in bondage, now when the Lord causes a separation here and you walk with him, now that which has hindered you is taken out of the way and you can walk in a different way. You have you know, died and you have rose and now you're, you're moving in resurrection life. See, that's something different than just being a Christian, going to church, reading your Bible. That's, that's all good, but that's not it. See, there are certain principles in the Bible, certain things Jesus taught and certain things we can see in the Old Testament that will point us in a direction so that our life becomes a blessing. So, I don't know about you, but that's something that I desired early on in my walk, and I didn't even really know much about anything. I said to the Lord, and I was a very young Christian, I said, Lord, make my life a blessing. And I had no idea what that meant. I had no idea what steps the Lord was going to have to take me through for that to, you know, occur in some measure. And so when you look at Paul the Apostle, why was it that he had so much to give? Here he he wrote, they say, it's about one-third of the New Testament. Why did he have so much to give? Because he moved in certain principles, and those principles took him in a place in spirit with the Lord that just being, quote-unquote, a Christian would not do. There are a lot of Christians. I've gone to different churches um, in different places, and even recently have. Uh, And... You know, people call themselves Christians, but what does that mean? What does that mean? There must be something more uh, as far as this walk with the Lord. See, there is a deeper walk. There is a call that comes out from the Lord, from, from God. And that call is to follow me. When he first said, follow me, to the disciples, they had no idea what they were in for. Do you think they knew? They had no clue. Well, they found out some four years later, you know, what was going on. There's Peter standing up in front of the Jews before he was, you know, hiding, and and he denied the Lord three times, and he was swearing and all that. And now he's there preaching the gospel to them, and saying things to them that he could never say before. Well, they had no clue. Well, the Lord will do that with you. You have no clue what the Lord may have in store for you, but if you walk with him and you allow some of these principles to come into your heart and life and cause you to walk in a certain way where you're saying, okay, I'm going to walk with the Lord this way, 
then you will find out down the road that you had no idea what you were doing, but that the blessing of God is upon your life. You'll find that out. So in Genesis 12, 1, this separation here has a result. And I want to read this to you. This is from Hebrews. This is, see, this separation here that Abraham, he began to do, that he did that. The Lord says, come out from among them. Be separate, like it says in Corinthians. You know, get out from among this land, get out from among the, your family, and go to a land that I'm going to tell you. And so Abraham does this. Of course, he's obedient, and he does this in faith. Or, as I said earlier, this, he had this inner conviction somehow that he knew the Lord was who he said he was, and he wanted to follow him. He wanted to walk with him. So walking with him will mean that you will experience certain things from the Lord as far as direction or uh, command, whatever it may be, and you might not even necessarily like it. When Ruth left Moab, she left her family and her friends and her neighbors, but she left not knowing really where she was going. She went with Naomi to Bethlehem, and she had no idea what was going to happen. But she believed the God of Naomi. And because she did, she had faith in him to unfold whatever it may be that he had for her life, be it good or not. And so here it says, this is from Hebrews 11. It's called the faith chapter. It says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but ha having seen them afar off. They saw, by faith, they saw them. Uh, they were assured of them, embraced them, and listen to this, and they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. What does that mean? That means they were separated. And it says they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And that does not necessarily mean it was an audible confession. It may have been. But see, you confess that you are a stranger and a pilgrim by walking with God and walking in a way that is different than the world. That's how you confess. You confess with your life, not just your mouth. See, so... All these died in faith, but they confessed with their lives and probably with their mouth that they were pilgrims and strangers. Have you ever been anywhere, in, the, in maybe around here, wherever, and you're amongst people and, and you feel like a, you're sticking out like a sore thumb? Now, recently that happened to me, and, you know, like a fish out of water, I'm saying... I could not relate to what the people in the world around there that I saw were relating to. It was like totally foreign. I didn't want any part of it. It's like, what are these people doing? They, they don't, of course, they don't see. But that happens because there has been a change in your life. Now, if you are in some situation in the world, 
and you know you're just rubbing yourself right you know rubbing elbows with him and you're yeah this is great you know and and, and their their whole focus is the ungodly then you maybe you need to step away come out from among them and be separate but see the the christian who's separated in their heart can be anywhere it doesn't matter in the world where they are because their heart is separated unto God. And no longer are those things that the world puts out there in front of everyone that people, oh, this is the greatest. Oh, look at this. Let's do this. Let's go. No longer does that have any pull on your heart. You can be there amongst the same people and they, their, their, their hearts go into this and that and the other thing. And there you are, you know, as it says, you're possessing your vessel in, in honor. You know, and, you know, it, it is what, what it is. The world puts things out there in front of everyone. But see, walking with God is different. Walking with God means that there's, there's a change. There's a separation. There is um, an obedience to the Lord that he's after. He's after that. There is a command and there is a promise. In, in Genesis 12 again, the command here to Abraham was to get out from your country, from your family, and your father's house. Okay? So that's the command. Now, with the command, the next verse you see here is the, um, the promise. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. Uh, you shall be a blessing. He goes on, uh, and he says in verse 3, uh, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So you had the command, and then you had the promise. So in order for the promise to be fulfilled, I will make you, uh, you know, your descendants as the stars of, of the sky or the sand of the sea. In order to be a fulfill, there to be a fulfillment in that, there must be obedience to the command. So the first step here with Abraham was he had to obey the Lord to leave where he was. So the first step for you and I must be obeying the command, whatever that is for, for you or me. Then the promise, whatever that may be, is is in a position now because of our response to be fulfilled. It's not, it doesn't mean you just live the way you want and do what you want, and now oh, all the promise will be fulfilled. No, Abraham had to obey the Lord in what he commanded, or there will be no fulfillment of the promise. How could there be? If disobedience is moving in the heart of Abraham, how can he be the father of faith? How can he have faith toward God? See, because disobedience or unbelief, see, what, what does that do to your faith? It destroys it. You, you don't have it. And so there, there must be uh, a, a moving out. There must be a, a walking with the Lord. See, Abraham can't walk with the Lord if he doesn't obey. He can't. How can you and I walk with God and experience certain blessings if we don't obey him. Now, I want to show you something here in verse 2. 
I guess that's all we're going to get to is verse 1 and 2. The Lord says, okay, you do such and such. Verse 1 is the command. And if you do that, and I'm kind of paraphrasing here, I will make you. Now, he says, I will make you a great nation. But first of all, he's going to make him. He's going to make him. And you see this when Jesus calls his disciples. In one gospel, it says, come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. Then I believe it's in Mark's gospel. He says, come after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And become, if you look at that word is in the Greek, it's a process. So whenever they responded to Jesus, Jesus now was going to put them in the process. There was going to be circumstances and different things that, that were going to arise in their personal lives now. And through those circumstances, they would have to decide to respond to the Lord and, and walk with Him, or, as it says in John 6, many of His disciples walked no more with Him. They went their, their own way. And so, as they walk with the Lord, He makes them. They will become what they weren't when they were first called. And so he says to Abraham, I will make you. That's all part of the call to Abraham. That's all part of the call of God to you and I. He, he doesn't necessarily, well, he does. He calls you to a specific thing. But as you walk with him in that, you are in the process he can make you, and you will become what you were not before. And the call of God goes out to every man, first to respond to Christ. And we know the people in the world have not. Then after that, the call of God goes to those who have respond, uh, responded to the Lord, you and I, whoever. And contained in that are different elements, as I said, separation and so forth. And as we move on with the Lord here and obey Him, now we come into certain things, we find ourselves in certain things, and we say, well, how in the world did I get here? Well, we are right where we need to be. You know, what does it say in, is it Jeremiah? It talks about the clay. Well, what happens when, when a, a potter gets clay. The clay is there, right? They have it in, in, in a box or in an area on the ground. Have you ever seen them do this? They'll go over and grab a hunk of it and they throw it on the wheel. Boom. <laughs> oh no, how did I get here? And they start the wheel and they start to work with it, wet their hands and they'll start to form this um, pot or jar or, or some vessel to the specifications that the person who's doing it has in their mind for that particular lump of clay. And so we respond to the Lord, and it's not too long down the, the road, we're in some circumstance, and we're thinking, well, how did I get in this? And I don't really like it. And you may feel the hand of the potter squeezing a little bit, see, but that squeezing is all, you know, it, it's necessary to form, as it's spinning, to form 
You ever see them? They get their hands like this, and they go like this, and they'll form that vessel the way that they want. So here you are. And God wants to do in you similar to what he did with Abraham. I will make you. I will make you. You will become something much different than you were in the beginning. I will shape you. I will shape your life. And you will hopefully respond. And as you respond, you will walk with me. See, to walk with him means we must respond to the Lord in in whatever way that may be for, for you. And so as there is a response from us, and as we walk with him in this process, well, now the call of God is producing what the call of God was sent forth to do. Who will go for us? Isaiah. Well, that's the call. Here I am, send me, Lord. And the Lord saw that. And if you look at some of the prophets, for example, we'll just use Jeremiah as an example. Jeremiah, probably, I'm sure that whenever the Lord first called him, he had no idea what he was going to have to go through. So you think your, your circumstances are tough. They might be. But Jeremiah, he had, all, he had to preach and preach and preach for years and years. And the Lord told him, you're going to preach, and they're not going to listen to you. Boy, that's pretty rough. Then he says, okay, you're going to, I want you to illustrate. If you've ever studied um, Jeremiah, so I'm going to illustrate. It's Jeremiah, right, where he laid, laid in the streets, right? It wasn't Isaiah. It was either Ezekiel or Jeremiah. It might have been Ezekiel. Okay, he says, to, they're both the same, basically. The Lord had them in the same basic ministry to the nation in the same basic time frame. Uh, and he says, yeah, it was Ezekiel. He says, go out and lay in the street for 300-some days on your, on your left side. And that, that's going to be an illustration. Everybody's going to walk by and they're going to look at you. And you lay there. Every day, get up and go out and lay there. And after that, get up and lay another, whatever it was, 15 days, 30 days, I don't know, on your other side. And your life is going to be an illustration to them. Now, you know, the prophets had to endure quite a bit in this making process. One thing doesn't go our way, we're undone, aren't we? So we're, we're, we have a long way to go. The Lord doesn't do what we think he should do when he, we think he should do it. In our situation, we're in it too long, and now, you know, we're just, well, that's okay. You can be overwhelmed in it. Just stay in it. That's all. You can be overwhelmed. That's fine. Just stay in it because you're in the making process. And so here you have I, um, Abraham. I will make you. I will make you. I will make you. And then he goes on, and, and we'll close with this. Verse 2, he says, I'm going to make him a great nation, and all the families of the earth will be blessed. So, the life of Abraham was, if he, if he walked with God, which he did. Now, remember, that's a choice. He didn't have to leave his father's land. This was a choice 
And because he had faith in God and he made this choice to obey the Lord, the Lord says, uh, I will make you a, a great nation. All, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So his obedience or his faith toward God would affect all the nations. That's, that's like inconceivable. Paul the Apostle, because he, he just went, was an abandoned to the Lord, and you've seen some of the, you've read the life of Paul, some of the things he had to suffer and go through. His life is going to affect all the nations. His life, because of the Bible, the writings he had in the Bible. We, see, we don't understand and see this, that our lives, our choice to obey the Lord or not, can affect have a positive or a negative effect not only upon those in our immediate family, but those we come in contact with. Our lives, and I personally believe that even when we die, that that which we have sown with our life in other people, however that may be, that thread continues to move, just like a garment, like you have threads in a garment, and, you know, Linda has some material, and you can just see, you know, the threads going this way, and this way, and this way, and this way. Well, the thread of your life, if you walk with God, continues on through others when you're gone. When you're off the scene. That is why it is so important, one of the reasons it's so important to walk with God, because um, I remember, and I'll, I'll close with this in a couple minutes. I remember years ago, I, I wrote this poem when I, this is right before I got saved. And just to give you the gist of this, that it, it was, the poem was that people, your life would affect other people, could affect them in, in such a negative way that it would have been better if you were never born. And the Lord showed me that before I was saved. And of course, once I became a Christian, it was like, wow. It was really like... <laughs> and, and that's true. We can have such a negative effect, and you see this with people. Maybe someone's an alcoholic in the family, and they have this negative ripple effect throughout their family, immediate and, and even extended. And the effect is so negative, it would have been better if the person was never born, as far as other people were concerned. But if you have a positive effect, because our lives will touch other people in one way or another, and the thread of your life can be a very, 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 very good thing that continues on long after you're dead. And, and you don't have to write a book for that to continue on. You don't have to. That has nothing to do with it. It's the thread of your life, just like Jesus' life affects us now. Peter's life, Paul, and those who were before us. You know, that thread of their life still affects people today. So it's just not... Abraham, and it's just not Paul, 
we can have that effect, maybe not on the same grand scale as them, but, but our lives can have an effect. That's why the call is to separate. Because if you're not separated, I'm not separated, that destroys the fabric of a godly life. And the Lord, he doesn't want that.